Some of you know, back on Labor Day weekend, I did a little trip down to Lexington to the lake and, um, and did some fishing over the weekend. Now, I'm not a fisherman uh, by, by many standards. If you own a rod and you can say you're a fisherman, then I guess I'm a fisherman. But if you need to catch fish or know what you're doing when you're out casting or, or those, then, then by all means, no. Um, but I found over the, the course of that weekend my growing level of frustration with the whole fishing thing. Number one, uh, I caught nothing in three days. That was a three-day weekend, remember? And I caught nothing. I got up every single morning, right, just as the light was peaking and went out on that dock and caught nothing. Now, I also listened to many of your advice, uh, which I want you to know cost me about $47, your advice, in lures at Walmart. So uh, I'd like to talk afterwards about getting a little uh, payback from you. Because those lures did nothing. And I got frustrated casting and reeling, casting, really, no, cast and leave it out there and wait. And then, of course, every once in a while, a boat would come into the little uh, area there, and uh, somehow they were pulling stuff into their boats, but not me. But the most frustrating thing over the course of that weekend uh, was untangling fishing line. Now, what I learned on, if I, uh, on the rod that I bought, at least, is that if I reeled it the wrong way, I was going to have a gobbled mess of line. And I want to tell you how many times I reeled that thing the wrong way. It was double digits uh, over the course of the weekend. I got to a point where I kept those pliers right here in my pocket, not because I was going to hold the fish and you know, kind of clip the, the hook off, but because I knew I would need to be cutting line. I'm telling you, by the end of the weekend, by Monday, I, mean, I literally, I could feel the frustration. I had had it up to here with fishing. I was done fishing. I wanted to find a golf course or somewhere of something that I had some ability to do, but I was done with the, with the fishing. Now, I'm told that actually seasoned fishermen, John, is this right? Feel that as well at times. Good. All right. So I don't feel too terrible. Uh, but that weekend, talk about discouragement going with this excitement of catching fish. Now, I don't like touching the fish, so I don't know what I was going to do with them once I caught them. So um, they, I think my son caught one, and I made James come over and take it off the, the line for him. So I didn't tell them that. So I'm telling them now. But uh, at the time, discouragement, nothing over the course of the weekend, battling the frustration of all of this. Fortunately, I didn't get hooked, or it would have just been, it been over for my lifetime. Have you ever had it up to here with something, though? It's got a similar story. I mean, have you ever had it up to here, and you just said, I am done. I am out. Forget this. I'm done. Yeah, we all have, right? I mean, we get so disgusted sometimes with things in our life. It might be your job, your spouse, your responsibilities, responsibilities at work or at church or with your family. We get so disgusted and fed up at some point, and we often just say, look, I can't take it anymore. Have you uttered that even this week? I can't take it anymore? Yeah, yeah, we say that quite a bit. We get discouraged. And we feel like we're just giving up, calling it quits, just dropping out altogether. And the thing about this, when this happens, when we suffer from this, we, we're actually suffering from like some form of low self-esteem in those times. I certainly did on the dock. Uh, we're suffering some, some form of low self-esteem, and we get vulnerable. And we even have poor judgment. At times, we're even tempted to just kind of walk away even from God, but we're kind of tempted to walk away from our responsibilities altogether. I've had it up to here. I'm just forgetting everything. In my house, my dad used to call it this, this kind of, he didn't call it this, but I, I put it all together, um, this trash can principle that uh, <laughs> I would say something like, uh, 
he would tell me to take out the trash, and then uh, you know I wouldn't get it done, and I wouldn't get it done, and uh, and then he would make a big spectacle about how it's not important to me, and uh, you know I don't care about my responsibility in the family and this type, and I would get so frustrated, maybe discouraged with with my dad saying that he was absolutely true, but uh, he would say that that I would say that's fine, I'm never doing trash again. <laughs> Some crazy statement like that, you know, as if we were going to let the trash pile up in the house forever. Actually, we were talking about my room at the time, letting the trash pile up in my room forever, and I never again. But we have that tendency sometimes when we get frustrated, when we get discouraged, we have the tendency to just go all or nothing, right? I'm done. I'm out. Forget it. Never doing that again in my life. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 58 about this. It says, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When I read a verse like that, I mean, just the tone I hear in the verse is, I know it's not going good. Hang in there. You'll make it. Do the work of the Lord. There's blessing in the Lord's work. Just keep going. It's not in vain. And it's an encouragement. And that's where we're focusing this morning. The whole, the whole message is really about discouragement. We all face it to one form or another. Some of us feel like we face it daily. Some of us, it's like in one area that just keeps punching us over and over and over. For others, we just keep saying, why do I keep stepping to it every area of my life? And I have discouragement. If you didn't get your sermon notes when you came in, uh, actually Richard's back there, and you could just slip up your hand and you can follow these. I think there's going to be important things for you to grab, fill out, and maybe stick to the fridge. If not for the, the, um, the filling in the blanks, I think the verses alone this morning that you'll take away are ones to take away and to memorize. And if you have them up in front of you on the fridge somewhere, significant uh, for you as well. So we're going to continue the series on the life of Joseph. And remember, the life of Joseph, I mean, this should be one that encourages us, every one of us, to be faithful to God, because that's exactly what Joseph did in the midst of tough situation. I mean, here's a young man, he could have easily said, look, I've had it up to here with Egypt, and I have had it up to here with people who violate their word and don't come through with what they said they'd come through, or they let me down. And he could have even said, look, I'm tired of waiting for God to answer my prayers, or God to follow through on the promises that he's made to us. Look at his experiences. He's about 30 years old now at the, at the end of our passage this morning. And to this point, these 30 years of his life, what he went through would be enough to make any of us depressed and discouraged, right? I mean, he is hated by his brothers because he's his dad's favorite. And he's so hated, they abuse him. They intend to kill him, but instead they sell him into slavery at that young age of 17. In a matter of hours, he goes from this pampered son of a wealthy person to a lowly slave. That's his plight. That's an opportunity for discouragement. And as a slave, he arrives in Egypt, and he works super hard. We find out he's elevated all the way to the point of the second in command, a a spot probably unheard of for a slave uh, there. But we find trouble comes again. The master's wife comes in, and she tries to seduce him, and he refuses uh, that and says no, and she is angered at this refusal, And she accuses him of rape, or at least attempting it. And what happens? He's thrown into prison. Another opportunity for discouragement for Joseph. Psalm 105, 18 says, They bruised Joseph's feet with shackles, and his neck was put into irons. Now, talk about discouragement. Not many of us in our lifetime will be able to say what that verse says, that we're put in irons that way and shackles. That was Joseph. These are the kind of things he went through more than one time in his life. 
here he's in this dungeon and in change. And on top of that, we'll find in our story today that the one man who could have actually helped him get out of that situation after Joseph helps him promptly kind of forgets about him, goes on his way and does his own thing. And it causes him to hang out in prison for another two years. That's Joseph's story up till now. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 40. We're going to read this and work through it. Like I've done each week, I want to keep encouraging you to bring your own Bible along with you and mark in that Bible, make notes in that Bible. Uh, This morning in our time of prayer, I opened my Bible and I pulled out one of these note sheets from a Bible study that Amy Brindle had led. And uh, there it was, right in front of me. Those Those are important things. When we have our Bible, we can make notes and keep marking. So... Let's take a look at it. Chapter 40, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen this morning. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offered, offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. And in the same prison where Joseph was confined, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Well, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In a dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to them. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put into this dungeon. Then the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation. He said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in his presence and his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Can you believe that? After all that, he's forgotten. This is another round of disappointment. Number three, discouragement for Joseph is what we find here. And yet, in all the setbacks, this is the key to this morning. Setback after setback after setback, Joseph remained faithful to God. That's amazing. That's amazing this morning for us to take away that after all that he's experienced, now three rounds of it, he stays faithful. He doesn't become discouraged at all. We get no evidence of that in the scripture of his discouragement. 
He has some of these, of these incredible traits this morning that I think you and I need to hear and maybe put into place in our lives. So take, let's take a look at those in the, in the first section of this message this morning. Look at these, these character traits that Joseph had. Number one, he's responsible. In verse 30, or chapter 39, we find that Joseph, that he is given over the whole prison here. He's given over control. Now, I don't, I don't know how it works so well in the prisons, but I, I can't think of a prisoner being given total responsibility over the prison, and that's what happened with Joseph. God found favor with him and, and with the prison warden, and that's the role that he was put into. He was given this responsibility over the entire prison. All the prisoners were under his care. That's what the scripture tells us. For Joseph, there was incredible responsibility in what he did. In fact, he's so dependable and responsible that his boss trusts him completely now two different times. Two different times. His dependability and his responsibility is there. I was reading uh, this week on, on Facebook. I was chatting with a friend and some people kind of commented down and we were talking about giving, generosity, tithing, responsibility, things like this. Uh, we were discussing. And one person said uh, on there, he said, I don't make enough to tithe. And as I listened to that, I'm thinking that the word responsibility came into my head. And the passage of if we can't be entrusted with a little, how can we be entrusted with a lot? You see, in a lot of areas of our life, we feel like we've been given very little, not just financial, but in many areas of our life, we feel like we've been given a little. You know what God's saying is be responsible with that little. Be responsible with the little you think you have and allow the blessing of the great to come your way. That's what happened with Joseph. See, Joseph was put in a position where he was drug out of a hole as a slave. He wasn't immediately taken and was given charge over all of Potiphar's house, No, it took 10 years to work himself up. 10 years of responsibility. Sometimes in our job, we think, well, I just have a kind of a lowly position here in my company. Just, you know, it's just kind of entry level or not as significant as somebody else or it certainly doesn't get the pay that somebody else does. You know what the Lord would tell us? The example of Joseph? Be responsible in that role. Work hard into that role. That's the character trait that Joseph had. It didn't matter if he was the slave drug out of the hole or if he was the person who was just thrown into prison accused of rape. He worked hard. He was responsible to what was in front of him. Secondly, we find in this passage that he was sensitive to people. This is an interesting trait that just pops into here. Here he's in prison with the baker and the wine tester. Now, their job is to keep Pharaoh from getting poisoned and also to give him nice things to eat. That's what their job is here. Now, why they're thrown into prison, well, we don't really know. I mean, Pharaoh is still alive, right? He didn't die. So why they're exactly thrown in, we don't know, but they've offended him somehow, and they're thrown into prison, and there they are with Joseph. Isn't it amazing sometimes how God can bring people into our lives that might be struggling or going through the same type of thing that we've gone through or that we might be even going through at the same time. It's amazing how God brings those two people together sometimes. So here's Joseph. He's in prison with these guys. They all have accusation against them. And it would seem like, if you read in the context of the story, it would seem like the, uh, the cupbearer accusations may have not been accurate as Pharaoh restores him. And the bakers might have been accurate because he ends up dead. Um, But here's Joseph with them, and he takes the time to minister to them. Remember what the scripture said. They they came in, and Joseph said, why are you so sad? Why are you so sad? As you see, he's about 28 years old. He's unfairly imprisoned here. That's his plight. You know, people have given him the shaft. Uh, he, he, He yet... 
he finds this, he's got this ability to sit and look and to ask about somebody else's day and how they're doing and why are you feel that way. You see, I, I believe when our heart is right with God, when our heart's right, even when the bottom is dropped out of our life, God gives us this remarkable ability to encourage and to minister to other people and to care for them in the situation they might be going through. That's what Joseph did here. Number three, we find that Joseph, he's faithful to God. I mean, this is the theme of Joseph's life, if you haven't caught it up to now. You know, struggle and struggle and struggle, and yet he is faithful continually to God over and over. When the two men told Joseph their dreams, he didn't say, hey, uh, you're talking to the right guy. I'm a dream analysis expert. Now, he might have said that when he was 17, but he's matured at this point. And what do we find in the scripture? we find that he says God's the one that can give interpretations of the dream. It's God here. You see, he is a, a Hebrew, right? He's a Hebrew who follows this almighty God. He would have been to the Egyptians, the Hebrew God. And yet here he is in prison. And already, no doubt, Joseph's wills are spinning. And he's thinking, if he tells, interprets the dreams, if he does well here, maybe this is another opportunity. Maybe this is an opportunity to get out of prison here. You would think that bringing in a foreign god into the conversation would not be the best strategy for Joseph. But he remains faithful, and he says, God himself is the one that will interpret these dreams. Tell me them, and we'll let God bring an interpretation. And so he does, and he tells the dreams, and God interprets them here. He's faithful to God. Even in these, each area of his life, he's faithful and never gives up on God here. Number four, he, he was a man in integrity here. He told them the truth. He told them the truth about their dreams here, which was probably a little bit uh, tough to speak with courage and boldness. I mean, let me ask you, if, if you were Joseph in Joseph's spot, what would you have told the baker about his dream when he told that to Joseph? I think I would have said, well, that's an interesting g- dream, baker. Why don't you come back in about four days and we'll talk about it a little bit more and we'll get to the bottom of this. But he doesn't. It's not what he says. You see, it's, it's difficult often for us to be honest with people, or to tell the truth, period, sometimes. We find ourselves wanting to kind of twist it a little bit or exaggerate a little bit. We want to make sure we think about where does this put me in the story and how I tell it. And so we tell a version often sometimes that elevates ourselves. not Joseph here at all. And we might say, Baker, you know, you might not want to think about long-term insurance or, you know, you might want to get some stuff off your bucket list quick. But he doesn't. He just tells him the truth. He straight up says, look, you're going to die in three days. That's what's going to happen. Ephesians 4 says this, speak the truth in love. This is the balance for us as believers. And I believe integrity works into this as well. You see, if we have all truth and no love, we come off as these you know, fundamental Bible thumpers and legalistic. But at the same time, if we have all love and no truth, then we come off very liberal. And it doesn't stand for anything. The balance is is that we speak the truth, the truth of God's word, but we speak it in love, caring for people. He's this man of integrity. It's how he spoke. Finally, this character traits here, we find that he had this perseverance. And this is the incredible part of the story is that we find with him, he just keeps going and going and going no matter how hard he gets hit here. It's incredible. When we read this guy's story, he's got all these setbacks, but he refuses to quit does that describe you? I mean, do you, are you kind of a refuse-to-quit type of person? And Joseph, not going to happen for him here. He's, finally, he's got this opportunity by honoring God, by interpreting these dreams. He's got this opportunity to just say, hey, man, just remember me, would you, when you, when you get out of here, when you see Pharaoh? 
And yet he'd remain in prison for two more years after this. Two more years. I mean, think about it for us. You know, if we miss a meal and think, man, I got to make it all the way to dinner, that feels like a long time. Joseph is talking about two more years to his freedom, two more years before he gets out. And you talk about discouragement. Now, keep in mind that Joseph doesn't know the rest of the story here. The, the Gideons had not come along and placed a Bible in his prison cell yet. He had nothing to read there. Now, chapter 41, not available to him at the time. For all he knew, he was going to spend the rest of his life in prison. That's all he knew. Remember, it wasn't like getting a sentence and then living out the sentence. When Potiphar put him here, that was it. He could have been in there the rest of his life and died right there. And yet, despite this, another setback with the cupbearer, he didn't get discouraged he remains faithful. He never gave up. It's like kind of that opponent, if you ever played sports, that will never go away. Have you, you know what I'm talking about? That opponent that just comes at you and keeps coming at you. I was thinking uh, in last year's NCAA basketball tournament that Duke fans probably know a bit about what I'm talking about, right? In that opening round. Maybe UNC fans, uh, maybe UNC fans know what I'm talking about based on last night's uh, football game uh, as well. They just keep coming at you. Some people just seem to have that ability. That's Joseph here. No matter what happens to Joseph, time and time again, he gets up and he keeps going. Why? Because he's resolute that God is still faithful. Do you hear that? I mean, he is resolute that God is still faithful. Are you? That'd be a question this morning. Are you resolute no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is difficult or challenging, do you sit back and say, God is still faithful? I'm not talking about just for your clever Facebook post for everyone to, you know, to click like so you have a bunch of likes, but I mean in your heart and in how you live, does it demonstrate, despite any difficulty, that, you're still fa- that you believe God is still faithful? That's what Joseph is saying here. That's how he persevered. And so Joseph is saying, I'm going to be faithful too. And he does. That's pretty inspiring. If you need a story that inspires you, this is the one to just read over and over and to to hear Joseph's example. The Apostle Paul knows it as well. He put it this way, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You see, this is such an important passage for us to remember. It's so significant to live by. For us to just to lock in and say, I claim the promise of that passage. I think it's important, so important. I, I think we'll just take a moment to read it out loud together this morning. Sound good? Good. All right, good. One of you. But we'll all, we'll all say it, even though only one person uh, agreed with it, all right? So say it with me, all right? We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Let me ask you today, what discourages you? What's the easiest thing to sneak into your life and discourage you? We moved to Chicago uh, now about four and a half years ago. And when we moved into Chicago, uh, first of all, it was freezing cold, but we were so excited about kind of this new adventure, we didn't recognize it. The third winter, we recognized it, big time. But we moved in there, and I remember just the first month being really tough financially. And we said, well, we're just getting our feet wet. We're just figuring it out. We've got some up, uh, upstart cost. And then the second month was the same kind of thing. And we said the same kind of thing, but, but with a little less believability. And the third month and fourth month and fifth month. And before we knew it, I mean, we're there like a year. And I remember the day that I went to, to need to pay the rent, but looking at my bank account, it's saying negative $63. And I think, how in the world do you do that? 
And I remember walking in, telling the person, you know, my story and sharing this type of thing in my head, just thinking, man, they hear the stories all the time, you know. And I remember being discouraged, thinking, how, do, how, how will we dig out of this financial hole? You know, my salary is what it is. You know, Sheree is, you know, was in a position where job-wise and childcare and all this, you, you know how the numbers don't always match up and those type of things. Without how in the world will the Lord dig us out? That discouraged us. What discourages you? What hits you and can grab you and discourage you? I just believe that the devil's greatest tool for Christians against Christians is discouragement. If he can discourage us, it seems like it opens up this door to vulnerability and not good vulnerability in a way where we become weak and vulnerable and we can be attacked over and over. And it's at this moment that we have to claim God's strength. When we're weak and vulnerable, if we don't, we're in trouble. You know that Thomas Edison, he, he tried to invent the light bulb 700 times. Many of you know that. Before he saw light, 700 times he worked on that. And he was able to overcome his discouragement by overcoming setback and to stay at it and keep working. Here's the interesting part, though. His son, Charles, wrote a book entitled The Electric Thomas Edison. He talks about his dad's incredible positive attitude. Listen to this. One December evening, the cry of fire echoed through the plant where they were manufacturing and trying to put this stuff together. Spontaneous combustion had broken out in the filament room. Within moments, all the packaging compounds, films, and other goods had gone up in flames. When I couldn't find my dad, I became concerned. Was he safe? With all of the assets going up in smoke, what would his spirit be? Would it be broken? He's 67 years of age. This is no time to begin again. Then I saw him in the plant yard running towards me saying, where's mom? Go get her. Tell her to get all her friends. They'll never see a fire like this again. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, rather than saying, what in the world did I do to deserve this? What will I do now? How can this happen? God, why did you do this? This guy's running around, pulling all his friends together, maybe grabbing the marshmallows, and he's enjoying the display. He's enjoying this. Different attitude, different outlook on life here. Are you discouraged this morning? You could be on the verge of one of your greatest victories. You could be on the verge of letting God's strength overtake your, your situation and be a testimony to what God does in the life of believers. Paul Allen once said, every failure contains the seeds of your next success. And I believe that God wants to work at those times when we're most vulnerable and we're most weak to speak into our life. So this morning, I'm going to ask a question is, how do, what are some of the keys to overcoming this discouragement? Certainly the, the character traits of Joseph can be very helpful for us. What are some of these keys to, to battle these setbacks that we might experience in our life? Just three we'll look at real quick. Number one, when we're discouraged, we got to keep doing our job. We got to keep doing our job. And I don't just mean the employment job, but our role, our responsibility, keeping at it. You see, Joseph performed his job, his responsibility, his role to the best of his ability. No doubt, he wasn't happy about the situation. You know, when you and I get discouraged, we tend, the temptation is to withdraw. It's to call in sick. It's to get alone. It's to step back from situations, stay in bed, maybe complain, do sloppy work, maybe quit serving. Sometimes we even do these things and we attach God's name to it as an excuse. We're discouraged, defeated, 
And we say, well, you know, God is really calling me to step away from this right now. And God's saying, I am? (laughs) When did we talk about that? Discouragement will tell us that. and It'll lead us in that direction. But it only compounds the problems. Because when guilt enters the picture, what happens? We feel more depressed, more discouraged in that, feeling like we we just can't do anything right. So when we're discouraged, we've got to force ourselves to be responsible, to look at what it is that God's called us to be about already, whether it's in our, our occupation, in our home situation, maybe where you volunteer at, at church or serve in your community, and keep at it. Remain faithful. Don't give up. Remember the verse at the beginning, it's not in vain to do God's work and to stay at it. Number two, when we're discouraged, we need to look for others to encourage as well. You see, one of the best ways to overcome discouragement is to minister to somebody else and to care for somebody else. And I don't just mean masking your discouragement and never dealing with the, the, the thing you're struggling with, but I mean trying to not get yourself in the point where you become self-centered and self-focused in what you're doing. You might say, what? what? Help somebody else. What? I'd rather wallow in my self-misery. Well, you can but it'll never help you overcome discouragement. You'll never get there that way. Here's Joseph in prison in a situation that could have caused great discouragement, and what does he do? He looks on the faces, the word says, of the other prisoners that are with him, and he says to them, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? It's an odd place for somebody to look to be serving somebody else. When we hurt, the danger is we want others to minister to us. We want others to look at us. We go, well, why isn't everybody taking care of my needs? And we start to interpret things that way. Sometimes we interpret our job, our family situation, or the church that way. Why aren't they taking care of me and my needs? But instead, we need to reach out to other people. Can I brag on somebody for just a moment? That'd be all right? Good, you don't have a choice. So we had a a membership class a couple weeks ago, and uh, uh, afterwards, uh, I kind of had childcare roughly lined up, (laughs) Um, but... uh, well, Kathy Lowe's decided to stay back, and, and she right afterwards said, hey, can I, can I do anything for you? What, you know, can I do that? Do you have anyone to watch the kids? I said, oh, it would be so awesome, Kathy, if you'd be well. And she went back, and she watched the kids and played with them. And I actually peeked in a couple times, and uh, they were having a blast. Well, you know, I know Kathy's had some difficult times in the last year and a half. She shared them with, with you as well. And, and it would be easy for Kathy just to say, look, I've had difficult times. I mean, I've, got, I've had this going here and this going here and the family and this and not. I, I don't got time to stay. I don't got energy to stay and, and care. But that day, whatever the Lord was doing in her heart, the Lord said, look, minister. You know, just care for somebody out and serve. You know, that's the attitude. You know, that's what Joseph is doing in prison and caring for somebody else. It's amazing how it deals with our own discouragement when we get the focus off ourselves. Here's what 2 Corinthians 1 says. This is a great passage. All praise to God and the Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside of us when we go through hard time. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we might be there for that person just as God was there for us. If you're discouraged today, one of the best things you can do is look for a way to serve, to care for somebody and to minister to somebody else. It might be this week you say, I, I need to sign up for that Saturday of service you were talking about before. Look, we're looking for 25 people. So are there 25 discouraged people here today? <laughs> so just raise your hand right now. Well, now you don't have to do that. Oh, thanks for the hand. All right, get signed up. So yeah, you might, you might need to serve next week. You might say, you know, outside, moving rocks, that's not really me. That's okay, it's serving. Just get out and serve. Maybe you need to volunteer in our kids' department. You know, by the way, in our kids' department, we, we've, 
we've grown quite a bit in our service out here, in our main service, probably a little over doubled in size in our service here in the last about year, year and a half. But, you know, our kids' program has tripled in size back here. The growth rate of our kids' program is, is the, it's the highest growth rate in our church, and we always need people to serve uh, back there. So now if you're discouraged and just mope the whole hour, that's not going to work too well. But be discouraged, <laughs> flip it around, of great cheer, and serve with our kids. I think that would be a, a great blessing to them back there. All right, I'm digressing. I better move on. So who knows where you could serve. You might want to take a meal to a neighbor. You know, you could buy and deliver some coats. It's a great time of year to stock up on coats at a store and just deliver them to places that are in need. You know, there's all kinds of opportunities. They're endless when we say, you know, if you're discouraged today, you, you, you just don't let it sink into focusing just on yourself. That we flip it around, and in that, we bless somebody and we encourage somebody. Number three, and the most important, if you're discouraged today, put your trust in God completely. Completely. That's what young Joseph did. That's really the theme of the story is what we're saying that God's timing, no doubt, was difficult for Joseph. There's no doubt that if Joseph could do this all his own way, he would have done it entirely different. (laughs) It probably would not have involved jail time. But that's what happened here. You see, he believed in the promises of God. That's what we find, and he hung on with his faith. In fact, sometimes in God's word, we can project onto God's word how we might deal with a situation. We might look and say, man, I would be really discouraged, or I'd be frustrated with God. But if we're faithful to the text here today and we read this story from start to finish on Joseph, all we really know about Joseph in in how the scripture says is that God gave him a dream when he was a kid and he was faithful to the promise that God was going to carry out that dream. Faithful. Never wavering, never giving up. Now he had some, some... you know, youthful cockiness he had to overcome and uh, the Lord used a a ditch uh, to help on that one. But we find he never wavers in his faith the whole time. We find in scripture, it never even seemingly is there a verse that says he was discouraged. Certainly we could project that onto his situation. He was faithful, putting his trust in God the whole time. And I believe above anything else, that is really the test of the Christian faith. It really is the test. Will you and I be faithful to God when life doesn't make sense? Doesn't make sense. Are we going to be faithful to God? It doesn't make sense a lot of times, right? If we were honest, are we going to be faithful? See, it's easy to be faithful to God when the bills are paid or the kids are doing great or marriage is good, income's up, business is growing. I mean, those are times when it's pretty easy to be faithful to God. But when setback and discouragement comes our way and sometimes time and time and time again, that's the time when we might say, God, this doesn't make sense to me at all. And that's the time when people want to know, are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be faithful to what we believe? Are we faithful to God? That's when our Christian commitment, I believe, that's when it has to be real. A real Christian commitment in these setbacks and these struggles. We have to remember, especially in times of discouragement, uh, that there's some things we cannot change. Did you know that? There's some things that you can't change? Yeah. As parents, and we know that about our kids, we would love if we could just change it on the spot and we'd never have to deal with it again, right? It doesn't happen. Yeah, there's some things we just can't change. <clears throat> but we have to trust God that his promises are true and that he's going to work these things out for our good. In fact, the scripture, and you might be familiar with this scripture, it's a good one for us to even memorize. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, 
who have been called according to his purpose. Notice it doesn't say that God will make every situation a good one. Why doesn't it say that? It would be much nicer if every situation we ever dealt with was good. But he says, I'll take those situations and I'll work everything out for your good. For the follower of Christ, I'll work that out. If we do what? If we love him, we believe in him, stay faithful to him, stay committed, knowing he has a purpose for for us. So what should we do in this, in this time and trusting? Well, we have to accept, we just have to accept the things we can't change and then we act on the things that we can change. Accept what we can, just act on what we can. You see, I believe this morning for you, you can start over. I believe. I think you can overcome a bad habit. I believe that. I think you can restore your marriage. You can have a different attitude in life and a different focus and outlook. Your future, I believe, can be incredible. I believe you can overcome any discouragement that you might be feeling this morning with the help of God. In fact, with trusting in God, I believe most of our discouragement comes down to making a choice whether we're going to be discouraged or not, putting our faith in God. Think about it this way. If God brings you to it, he's, he's going to bring you through it. That's a good phrase to remember. It's, it's a statement of faith. It's claiming God's promise. This morning, as I finish, I want to leave you with a passage that I think is, is significant, maybe one that, that you take this piece of paper and, and remind yourself over and over when discouragement comes or when situations that could be discouraging come, that you remind yourself this passage. I want to read it from the message translation. It's 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. So we're not giving up. Stop right there. That may be what you need to hear. And remind yourself, don't give up. We're not giving up. This isn't me being a motivational speaker telling you this. It's the word of God. We're not giving up. How could we? Even though, an op, uh, even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart around us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we cannot see now, they'll last forever. So how in the world do you overcome discouragement? We put our complete hope and trust in God. Practically, every single day, in every decision we make and how we make it. You take your situation, take your problem, you take your obstacle, your struggle, you take your addiction, you take your child, you take your marriage, you take all of that and you put it into God's hand. And you trust him. And whenever you're not certain and you say, what would God have me do in this situation? You remember, number one, he doesn't want you to be discouraged. And number two, his word, the Bible, teaches us what to do and what decisions to make. So we get into his word and we learn Joseph wasn't discouraged. God didn't abandon Joseph. He didn't walk away from Joseph. He allowed him to go through tough situations. And in that, Joseph said, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to remain faithful to you in every step I do and everything I do. He didn't get discouraged. He didn't cower away. He didn't pull back. He didn't be somebody that, that just left all of his responsibility. And the good news today is I believe God wants to do for you and I the same thing he did for Joseph. So if this week you hit some discouraging moment uh, or you know on the horizon there's something really tough, or chances are, for most of us, something unexpected will come our way this week that's an opportunity for discouragement. Remain faithful. Remain faithful to God, trusting God, knowing that God has it under control, and just keep walking faithfully with Him. And maybe in that situation this week, 
as you're looking at it, maybe you say, I don't know what the outcome is. I don't know what the answer is. Just remember, Joseph didn't know what was going to happen either. As he said in prison, it could have been forever, but yet he remained faithful the whole time, and God's blessing, God's blessing came his way. Let me pray for you this morning, especially for those that might be going through something deep. And, and as you're sitting there this morning, you, you can pray yourself. You can just bow right before the Lord. He can hear all our voices at one time and just spend time, just spend time giving over what you need to give over. Let's pray. Father, we don't like discouragement. Look, Father, we don't like hard things. And Lord, this morning I recognize that for some they're dealing with difficult situations. For some, it's a financial situation, and, and, and much like the story I shared, they just feel like, how in the world are they going to get by? And there's hope for the next month and the next paycheck, but it just seems like over and over and over, there's just not enough. It's not enough. Lord, first, would you, would you show us that, Lord, if we're faithful to you and your principles, and Lord, that you'll be faithful, that, that you will, you'll bless us. And so we pray, Lord, in that, that, that we wouldn't be discouraged. Lord, I know for some sitting out here today, it's, uh, it's a marriage issue. And they sit with their spouse every week, but Father, there's, there's struggle within the marriage. And there's discouragement that it'll never get worked out. It'll never be better. And Father, this morning, would you remind them that the greatest metaphor of the Bible is a metaphor of husband and wife. And why would you use it if it wasn't so significant that a husband and wife thrive in their relationship? You can restore so help them not to be discouraged, but to walk in the path that you would have them walk. Lord, we could go on, and there's many others, and I would just want to pray generally for every single person that may be feeling discouraged or going through a tough time, that the example of Joseph would be loud and clear, that though we walk through it, and it's painful, and we struggle, and sometimes we, we, we seek to try to put the smile on our face, to know that you're in control, that we can be faithful to you, and that you'll bring blessing our way as you did in the life of Joseph. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.